Hey, Chris Manning from Locked on Caps here. Hey, guys, Evan here from Locked on Caps as well. Coming uh, the up. Co- the fresh face co-host. Yes, coming up on today's show, uh, Evan and I are in the uh, media room at Quicklands Arena talking about Caps Pelicans. Um, it's Grimmie. not Quicken Loans Arena, it's The Rock. Okay, look, it's it's Gund Arena. Do you smell heart. The Rock is cooking here? It cooked, look, they have, it cooked, they have more than 90 jerseys tonight. It's, it's really Gund Arena. It cooked a big fat L tonight. Yes, the they did. Uh, but on today's show, we're talking about that game, talking about the Kobe stuff, talking about Zion and all the stand-up performances from that game. This is Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Cleveland Cavaliers select Darius Garland from Vanderbilt University. My, my, my. This calls the Kevin Love Show. Evan and I are in at the Rocket Mortgage Fields. I almost call it the Q. I call it the Q on the way in today. Um, I still call it the Q a lot. Don't worry. <laughs> so, listeners, just so you know, if you the audio quality is a little different, um, we're using a different little mic setup. It's a lavalier mic um, through my phone, so it's not uh, the normal microphone setup we're in in auxiliary media room. So things may sound a little different. But we're here after the Cavs played the Pelicans. Um, they lose one twenty-five to one eleven um, in the Zion Williamson debut in Cleveland. Uh, I, the highlight of the game was was actually Colin Sexton blocking Zion Williamson. It really was. Um, but Colin Sexton twenty-four. Kevin Porter Jr., 21, and Larry Nance almost had a triple-double. I think it was like three assists away from a triple-double, if I'm correct. 17-11 um, and seven assists. Uh, no, uh, Darius Garland was one he did rest. We'll talk about that. But Evan, what were your kind of... Um, well, actually, let's start with this. They did the Kobe tributes. Yeah. Um, played a video. They did uh, uh, showed some of his dunk contest highlights, which he won in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, well, at the end of the show, we will have some people that we talked to that will kind of share their thoughts on Kobe. But um, what did you make of just the environment at this Cavs game? It was a little somber for sure. It definitely was tough. Um, they did the moment of silence and everything, and like that really just hit home. And then you heard, heard people just kind of yelling Kobe, and 81 will never be replicated, and all this other stuff in the background. And, like... You could tell, like, he has a lot of gravity and impact, and you could really tell, like you said, I wanted to help tease you this a little bit. Um, the people we spoke to today at the game, like, they really just said a lot of just deep stuff about how much Kobe Bryant meant to them, and you could clearly tell, like, we both looked at each other and kind of said, like, it's a sellout crowd for a Tuesday night game. Now, granted, Zion was in town, yes. but I feel like a lot of people were also here to celebrate the life of Kobe Bryant. A lot just, of Kobe jerseys. Yeah. A lot of number eight Kobe jerseys in particular. Yeah. Um, Kevin and Kevin also did wear the throwback, um, the throwback number eight into this mm-hmm. one, into the game. Larry um, wore 24. Larry wore number 24, which I, which obviously he wore, but, like, just, it's very clear that, that was a Kobe thing. That was um, mm-hmm. something he was doing to honor Kobe. Um... I thought the crowd was about as engaged as a Cavs crowd as I've seen all year. That yeah. dissipated in the thirdish quarter when that game got the hand. When when they came back into the game, yeah. um, and KPJ in particular was kind of leading that comeback a little bit. Yeah, um, and Nance was as well. And that bench unit really, as a whole, was kind of doing some really good stuff. Um, they got really into it, and then it faded again. But Zion, like there was a spectacle there for Zion pregame. The Kobe stuff was very, very real. Mm-hmm. Um, even though this team is not great and this organization is kind of finding its footing post-LeBron, so I think that's reasonable to say. Um, this is a situation where 
I felt the crowd still really shows up and shows yeah. up and ended up was really really good, really really engaged, and it was it was a f- a very f- like fun night on a night that also had some really somber moments. No, I, I, I yeah, no, I agree. It's just it was it was a fun night overall. Like you and I, kind of just had fun as fans watching this game. Um, people were just kind of like texting me during the game, like certain highlights. Like Kevin Porter was absolutely incredible, and I think him being so exciting kind of kept things engaged and you could tell you could kind of feel it that just the overall mood of the arena after the Kobe tribute and after they did that really nice video tribute where um they played clips of Kyrie talking about him and they talked to play clips clips of LeBron they played Larry talking about him yesterday from the shoot around in Detroit like which the, the Larry clip still gets me like yeah, you, Larry clearly so affected oh for like, sure clearly clearly so affected it's one of his childhood heroes not many people can say like one they play professional basketball but you get to play with one of the people you idolize like that's a huge thing and somebody took him under his wing because I learned where I was listening or watching it or hearing it but Kobe doesn't maybe it was Larry himself Kobe doesn't acknowledge you until you do something great and one of Larry's first big plays was a pass and assist to Kobe and that's when he acknowledged him and like that was a big moment for him because like I said that's somebody he generally looks up to but after the tributes and tears were shed it just the game was on and then you could just feel in the arena from every time zion had the ball in the post or if he was trying to go for the dunk like everyone at least in the stands and probably some people in the media box as well were on the edge of their seats waiting to see him absolutely posterize someone and credit record is due to the Cavs. they didn't let it happen tonight they didn't really let zion steal the show i mean his the rest of his teammates did for sure but um no just definitely been uh it was a fun game overall, and I mean, shout out to Alfonso McKinney for throwing his body on the line to prevent Zion from yeah. him at one point. Yeah, but good, like really, really like effortful from yeah. that. Um, we'll talk about the other guys who really stood out in the segment, but uh, just so people know what's up with Darius Garland. There's not like a real injury. John Beeline said pregame basically that he's at he's just kind of fatigued. He was just sick. Yeah, um, he's a guy. He's, you got to remember this is a 20, 20, just turned twenty years old. Yes, um, he played five college games last year. I would imagine he is fatigued right now. And they yeah. basically said they picked this date for him because they have a day off tomorrow. He'll get they played a back to back. He'll get a full day off tomorrow. It gives him two full days to kinda of rest. I would expect him to play Thursday. It would yeah. be surprising to me if he didn't play Thursday. Um it, and then he'd have Friday off and then Saturday and then play on Saturday. And then they're getting close to the All Star break and then he'll get a whole unless he play I don't we don't know if he's gonna we'll find out Friday. Friday he's gonna, and we'll find he's out Rising he's gonna stars. play in the Rising Stars game, but um, I don't think he's like a lock for that, I would say. Nah. It didn't seem like it. Sexton to me should be in there. We'll Kevin, see. Kevin, 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 Kevin Knox yeah. needs to warm that bench again, so it's okay. Yeah, shouts, shouts to the last year. Colin was bad being there last year, but like Kevin Knox, come hey. on. No, what like we, we said, he listens to the podcast, Chris, because he uses his haters as motivation. That's facts. Um, but I think I, I, I don't know if I loved – I get why they started Exum. I don't feel like Exum quite fit with that lineup and, and provided what Darius provides because I like Dante, good athlete, um, the kind of guy that I think if you're going to just trade a guy like Jordan, it's a good guy to match out or take a chance yeah. on whatever. Darius provides shooting in a way that Dante doesn't, and I think no. the starting lineup was off as sort of a result of that. I'll be I'll be curious to see like what if we go back to seeing that good bench mob and seeing Darius back in a starting yeah, lineup. No, it's I been overall. De- I thought I like most of this year. Yeah, no, like 
it definitely the offensive or the starting unit definitely fell off offensively and maybe a little bit defensively as well. But like when that bench unit was in, they were keeping the Cavs in this game for a while because I think at one point I think JJ Redick hit a three. I'm like, well, this one's over, and then the bench tried to will them back into it, and they cut it close in the fourth quarter. But then it just kind of fell apart again. But that's what you get with a bad team. But no, I think Dante being in the starting lineup probably doesn't fit well long term. Obviously, so if like you're saying, pull the plug on Sexton and make him the sixth man and start Dante next to Garland. I don't know if that's really the case right now. Um, Dante Exmans, like you said, is a nice player, and he I like what he provides and brings to the table. But no, it just kind of fell off, and maybe like they could have gone with I don't know. I'm just like thinking like even Delhi at this point. Like even though Delhi can't hit a shot, he finished tonight with six points. Uh, Four, or four points, four assists. Two really good lob passes. Two really good lob passes. He will passes. be 100 years old and throwing dime lob passes. Remember when he threaded that needle and uh, they didn't complete the play? Yeah, I think it was, was that McKinney? I think it was either McKinney or it was Nance, one of the two. But, but like, they didn't, it was a great pass. It was a I great was pass. Like, like, I audibly, I think I audibly was like, wow. Yeah, no, you did. And the perks of us sitting in the nosebleeds of the press box with each other, we just goof around and have fun the whole time. But um, no, I think Delhi might have been the smarter play. I mean, obviously... His shots completely abandoned him, but at least there's a little bit of an established comfort level with, with Colin and him, and then obviously Delhi's played with Tristan and Kevin and Jetty before Tristan and Kevin before, and then Jetty also has an established comfort level with him. Maybe Dante's just a little bit of a clunkier fit. Yeah, and I think you also just see with um I see when you see Jetty or sorry, you see Delhi, you see why Beeline is like I want to play this guy because he passes and he's, he's old reliable. He's, he's, he's limitations clearly, but that's that's why you see him play. And I think you you're not going to see him play going forward, but um, that was why you saw him play. And in this one was just the passing aspect of it. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and come back to talk about um, the two stars of the night, or at least Kevin Porter Jr. the star of the night. Yeah, um, I would agree. I would agree. We'll talk about him right after this. And we're back, Evan Kevin Porter Jr. Um, mm-hmm. uh, 21 points, 3 assists, 2 rebounds, and just overall, great, great game. Oh, 5 of 8 from 3 as well, which was a huge surprise. I gotta say, um, the numbers are obviously very good. I think he clearly has come along, even defensively, I think he's better than we would have guessed, all this stuff. Yeah. I'd say he's up there for Cleveland's wing defense, which which is crazy. Which which is crazy because he's a rookie. Which both says something that they don't have many good wing defenders and that he's like more advanced than you might think being 18. Yes. I actually got got fact-checked. Shots to BJ Evans. Well, I said he was 19 in my questions to Beeline, and then they said he was 18. So maybe they're wrong, and I'm dumb. He's going to look. But to me, the most impressive thing about this for Kevin Porter Jr., and I think it's one of the hardest things about... He's 19. Ha! May 4th, 2000. Cavs, so. I, I don't respect. I just saying, I was right. <laughs> I was right. I'm just saying, I was right. There you I go. Feel very vindicated. I'll I feel very vindicated. I'll stroke your ego. You were right. Um, to me, the most impressive thing about this, and when you talk to players and you talk about, and we understand how the game, adapting from college and high school ball to going into playing in the pros, one of the hardest things is the increase in the schedule. Mm-hmm. College, you play in the week, and you play on the weekend. Tournament. High school, you play in the week, and then you maybe play a couple games on the weekend if you have a tournament or something like that, yeah. or you maybe just have weeks where you play like one game or something like that. Like your life is just different. For Kevin Porter Jr., who was who had his missed in games at a time where he was playing about was just improving, improving, improving. It's like every game he did five things, and we were like, "Holy shit, this guy's figuring it out." Yes. For him to come back and play two back-to-back games, played 60 minutes last night, played um, almost 26 tonight, and for him to be 
as good as he was in both these games, I, I, for him to just come in and, and just not really miss a beat, yeah, that's so impressive to me. Even more impressive, it took him that first half against Detroit last night. He looked a little shaky, a little rusty, and I'm like, okay, let's expect. It almost got hurt. It almost got hurt. We, yeah, we did get we hurt. Held our, yeah, we held yeah. our breath for a second there, but um. Shout-outs to Chris Fedor for letting all of us know that he was available and kind of, like, made everybody feel better. Um, no, it's just Kevin Porter's been a lot of fun, and I tweeted it at one point in the game. It's just, like, I think it would be a damn shame if Kevin Porter didn't at least make – he's making a case to make the Rising Stars game, and I think maybe we're a little bullish on him because he was picked 30th overall and the scouting report. Shout-out to our guy Trevor Magnotti, who is the – who is our guy for the draft? Um, shout out to the guy who only gave us a four star review because Trevor isn't all in on uh, I still Kevin love Porter. Hey, that review is nicer to us than other reviews have That's been true. to me. Before you join the podcast, we're probably like a five star, five five out of five since you and I got a lot of ones because I, you know, just have like anxiety on there. No, you're fine. I'm trolling myself right well, now. Well, I'm trying to make yes, you feel yes, better. Yes, yes, yes. But, um, Petty for that review too. Like that's <laughs> something I can get behind as yeah, well. It's but just, it's just well done. It's just well done. But no, Kevin Porter. It's a hive and it's buzzing a lot. And I think you know this train fell off the tracks a while ago with him. But I think we're all along for the ride. And he's just proving all of the doubters and criticisms about him wrong every single game. And no, it's just it's crazy to think that he actually is a lot more advanced than we realized. And maybe a lot of that stuff that coming about his work ethic and attitude coming out of college was the wrong thing and maybe ending up in Cleveland could have been the best thing to happen to him because there's not a lot of distractions and he's genuinely trying a lot of these doubters wrong he as still, well. He still compared Cleveland to Seattle when I talked to him on the phone, which just feels wrong. Like, I know why he, he said the nature is the same, but I think yeah. they're, yeah. I he, guess he, it's a compliment. So when I talked to him before the season, um, he told me that, like, the USC situation was just, like, he learned a lot from it, and, mm-hmm. like, you know, he's actually on good terms with those coaches now, and I don't know how much of that is true, but I haven't heard anyone in the Cavs organization say a damn bad thing about no. Porter Jr. His teammates um, are the same way. I think yeah. I talked to John Henson a while ago, and he's like, it's absolutely incredible. Like, we didn't know what to expect with him, like, as veterans coming in, but, like, he works his ass off every yeah. day in practice like when and I, just blows us away. When I talked to Cinderia Stonewall when he was on the Cavs, he was just, like, the guy that he raved about in the player workouts was, he's like, Kevin Porter Jr. can play. Like, right mm-hmm. now, he can play. He's got the skill. Um, and yeah, I think you saw tonight an example of this is, like, his bag of tricks and, like, him um, getting his shots off and getting to the rim and getting threes off and all this stuff, it's, like, the the fine points of it are not yet refined. You see that he's still 19 years old, that he's still, like, learning, he's still growing into his body, he's still, like, getting stronger, all these things, and he's not, like, a polished product yet, nor yeah. should he be at this age. No. None of the Cavs young players are, should be considered polished at this point. No. But he's, like, clearly just, like, got this bag of tricks already that is just, like, unbelievable for being 19 and, like, yeah. great value at 30. Um, he's oh, clearly... Phenomenal just, value like, at 30. Been, been an absolute... Maybe, the, I think, the most fun guy on the roster this year, you know, for a lot of different reasons. Um, much better on defense than you would think. I think mm-hmm. we, we, we've... He's maybe the second or third like best wing defender on the team right now, which is which is wild. Either him or Alfonso McKinney at this point. Yeah, it's, I think. I mean, there's. A, I mean, he doesn't statistically he doesn't show up better than Jetty, but there's like an argument that his body, he's he's big. He's already like, he's built. Big, he's bigger than Jetty yeah. right now, which is wild. Um, he's, and he's I, only nineteen. I I feel so. It. I I don't. I don't really ever care if I'm right or wrong. I the most fun outcome I could have had for this year is Kevin Porter Jr. being this good because I wanted the one of the when I was thinking of so what I do when I get through a season is I look at a guy and I write out like or at least think about like different possible outcomes mm-hmm. for different guys, best case, worst case kind of things or middle ground. For Kevin.
Kevin, I thought one of the worst case scenarios was that he would just like look overwhelmed because he's so young and he would yeah. have to play a bunch in Canton or just like get disgruntled and like not play a lot. And that yeah. would like, he would just have like kind of a year where he learned, but it was like very like slow yeah and the potential just didn't really like translate right away it's been the exact opposite of that and i and there's like like i think garland's done a lot of fun stuff there is a very 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 strong case that um kevin porter jr i think has been the best rookie on the team this year and that's like a really really great thing oh i definitely would agree with that that's just and it's like the little things too like I had lower expectations going in, and like I told Trevor when he was on the show with me last week, it's just when I was reading his final draft board, he compared Kevin Porter to like a Nick Young archetype player, and that throws up an immediate red flag because like Nick Young's he's a goofy yeah, dude, that's and, like, why off the court he's yeah, fun, yeah. but if his like ceiling is a Nick Young player, like awesome, it just feels like a okay, he's going to be a solid rotation bench scorer, which. Shout out to the guy who gave Trevor a four-star review because of it, because Trevor still believes that. But, um, no, it's like the little things. Like, he didn't try to make a huge impact scoring immediately. He was more so focused on defense and making the right pass and making the right plays and just doing the smart, fundamental things, which endeared me to him to begin with because you don't see a lot of rookies who are committed to that stuff to mm-hmm. begin with. They're mostly trying to be selfish and try and make sports center and make the top 10 and everything but he's just trying to do all the smart things and all the right things and i have just enjoyed watching him every step of the way and like tonight was just an offensive explosion like he had a bit of a hitch at his shot and um i have to maybe take a little bit of closer look at it but his shot's not totally broken as people let on to believe because he finished the night as Cleveland's best three-point shooter at five of eight from three-point range, and he can get it, and yeah, like he, he, he does step back. Like I would say, yeah. to me the most impressive play of the night, the play that besides maybe the the Sexton blocking Zion, he was in the corner, the left corner near the Cavs bench, and there's not a lot. Of, that's obviously not a lot of room back there. But he got off. He was able to get Drew Holiday, who was like eating Kevin Love's lunch at the post tonight. And oh it yeah, was like I think the best player on the floor in this game. That nutmeg pass that Drew. Yeah, Drew Holiday, like um, dirty. Yeah, really good shit from Drew Holiday. Yeah. Um, like really watching him defend in the post is art. Like it's amazing life. Like I would just say, like if if you like are a basketball nerd, like watch his videos of Drew Holiday defending the post. If you're a real basketball nerd, let's get that campaign going. And I mentioned this Chris Hoffman a few times. Let's get Drew Holiday to Milwaukee just to make that defense even more stupid than it is. So I pitched that idea to James Rapine when we were waiting for Beeline, uh, the great James uh-huh. Rapine for ninety three. He, he his face lit up a little bit. So yeah, you know, he's, no. it, it, we're getting it's momentum. Just, yeah, this is a grassroots movement. Now I remember the starting lineup. Shout out to our guy. Ty Windish. Uh, it would be Drew Holiday, Wes Matthews, Chris Middleton, Giannis Adenacumpo, and Brooke Lopez. Like, good luck scoring on that defense. Yeah. It'd be like an 80, if like, like if it was like Clippers, peak Clippers and peak Bucks in the finals, would be like 80, it'd be like 80 to 78 every game. Well, peak Clippers, they also hate Kawhi, so maybe they fall apart within themselves and just teamwork makes the dream work in Milwaukee. Come the strip club in a new balance and he fucking would have flex. I don't think there are many strip clubs in Milwaukee, so maybe. I'm sure there, I'm sure there's one. There's like there's a whole district of them. Okay, we're off track. We're off track. Um, <laughs> KPJ like is able to create space against Drew Holiday and get off a step back three in the corner and swish it. Yeah, I'm just like this. That like 19 year old should not be able to yeah. do that. Yeah, I mean shooters shoot and people. God, they're professional athletes. Of course, yeah. they're going to be confident in their own abilities. But like Drew Holiday is an all defensive caliber yeah. perimeter player. Amazing player. Amazing player. Like he's a dog. I'm I'm a big Drew Holiday fan. But he. Uh, no, just to do that in Drew Holiday's face, especially when he's, you know, kind of clowning your all-star forward teammate, like, that, that says a lot to his confidence level, and I think also says a lot to the confidence level the coaching staff has in him as well, which 
is kind of big. Like, I've kind of noticed, like, Cleveland, if you put in the work and, like, you clearly show off, like, Alfonso McKinney's, like, shared with me, the coaching staff relies on him to defend the best player on some possessions. Like, when they were getting lit up by Detroit, when they were in Detroit before they went on the road and then miraculously beat Denver, they called McKinney's number and said, all right, we need you to guard Derrick Rose. And he's like, all right, I haven't played in a few days, but whatever. And he's just like, yeah, no, we slowed down Derrick Rose. Like, I think if you're willing to put in the work with this coaching staff, they will pay you off. Mm-hmm. It pays off for you the long term. So, And, and it's a franchise in a position to throw guys into the deep end a, a decent amount and just let yeah. them figure out what's going on. Okay, one last break and we'll be back to talk about Sexton and some of the other things from um, Cavs Bucks. Hey guys, Evan here, co-host of Locked On Cavs. If you've been a listener to this podcast, I'm sure you've all heard of the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Cavs is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Cavs fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Cavs fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses, so text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com forward slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help you achieve your Locked On Podcast advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com forward slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. And we're back. I said Cavs Bucks, but I meant Cavs Pelicans. Um, it's it's the excitement of Drew Holiday in Milwaukee. I get it. Yeah, I'm just I'm just I, I'm I'm, imagine, I'm just like imagining all the people that like photoshopped like Kyrie in the Lakers jerseys all these years ago. That's what I'm imagining now. Just Drew Holiday in like in, in the Cream City Bucks jersey. It's like the worst jersey. Well, that's not true. Their that, black no, jersey's pretty bad. But I think the Cream City jersey. It's just a bad name. Cream City's a weird it, name. It's a weird name, but like the overall design kind of stinks. And before we, we got to get back on track. Here, <laughs> but I was in Milwaukee and I was at a Dick's with a friend. Um, and they had a bunch of Cream City apparel. I'm like, God, this is all hideous. And then, like, there's, like, kids who are, like, grabbing it off the shelves and, like, running to buy it. I'm like, you kids have no it's taste. Probably for TikTok. Probably. It's probably for TikTok. I've or, learned a lot about TikTok from Taylor Lorenz from the New York Times, and it's it's a scary place. Um, okay. What about Bite? Bite's the new, the kicked TikTok killer and successor to Vine. I'm going to so. go live in a cabin. <laughs> I'm going to, like, only get basketball. I'm going to be, like, that guy that the New York Times wrote a profile about that's just, like, lived in, like, near where I went to college at OU, and he just, like, didn't consume, he just stopped consuming the news. <laughs> it's going to be me, but I'm only going to consume Cavs games on YouTube TV and then call that's, them for the podcast. Yeah, that still sounds like a miserable existence. Yeah. I don't know. The news is depressing, but the Cavs sometimes can be even more depressing. Yeah, but, like, you get you get cool stuff like a okay. Junior. Okay. Kevin, or not so Kevin Colin Porter. Sexton. Colin Sexton. Let's run through his stat line. Okay, so this is without Darius Garland. Uh, nine and 31 minutes, almost 32. 20 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, 4 4 from the line, 2 rebounds, uh, or sorry, 3 rebounds, excuse me, 4 assists, and 0 turnovers. I gotta say, I gotta go back and like watch the passing stuff. Um, credit where it's credit due. I think the last couple games he's it, it, uh, watching from home, and I'm gonna have to look back at this one to kind yep. of better context on it. Um, I feel like he is being a bit better as a passer of late. Like, the assist usage ratio is still, like, not what you exactly want, but, like, the guy, um, I think, has looked a little bit better the last couple weeks. He seems like he's adapting a little bit and mm-hmm. um, very aggressive as a scorer. Yeah. It was, like, really putting – was the guy kind of putting the, the – He's every time the Cavs get down, I will say, like, no matter who it's against, him being aggressive and, like, pushing the pace is something they can at least count on to at least maybe get them out of their funk, and I, I appreciate that. And that, that was evident then. He wasn't yeah. the, the reason that they really came back, but he's a part of it. 
it, and that's, that's what we're looking for. Yeah. No, I think it was against Chicago when the Cavs blew that game. Um, one of those games just recently, Colin had zero assists, but I tweeted, like, normally I gripe and bitch and complain about Colin Sexton scoring 20-plus and having zero assists on the night, but the Cavs looked absolutely just gassed throughout the night, and not to, maybe not tonight because the bad shoot it looked sharp, but he uh, just kind of, like, like you said, him being continuously aggressive is a good thing. Sometimes it can be his it can be his downfall, but once he's just trying to keep the Cavs in it, and like he's a competitor, he's a gamer, and like he said, I haven't really wasn't paying attention to the passes as closely as I should. But the four assists is a promising thing, especially the zero turnovers, and I hope it's just something he kind of continues being more comfortable and engaged with. But I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. And here's an interesting question for you, Chris. By the way, he was tied for second on the team in assists. For okay. Jetty also had four. Larry Nance has that. But just, just before you're going to ask me a question that's going to take up the rest of our time, yeah. I just want to say Larry Nance Jr. playing the best basketball that he's played this season in the last couple games. Um, was really good tonight. Really she, amazing against um, Detroit last night, too. John B. The only time John Beeline smiled in his post-game press conference was when he talked about Larry. He's very fond of Larry, you can tell. Um, and Larry's been really great of late. Uh, this is a... I'm a pro Larry Nance Cavs Twitter person because I know a lot of people are kind of yeah. sour on him for whatever reason and for some reasons I, there are limitations he's not what we expected Larry Nance is good he's been he's played the best basketball of his of this season in the last four or five games I agree with that yeah. statement a lot right, like, your, your question so over the last let's say I think I said two weeks this morning mm-hmm. who would you say is Cleveland's best player right now is it Kevin Love the the presumptive all-star and you know last remaining member of the big three or Colin Sexton so I know Colin Sexton won your poll. He did, and I was a little surprised. So I, I think there are two ways you can answer this. Okay. I think if you want to say the guy that is still dictating the most for other teams, it's still Kevin Love. Yeah. If you look at the Pelicans game and you look at every game they play, the the, 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 the possessions that draw the most eyeballs from opposing defenses are the Kevin Love on the elbow baseline. When he gets a touch, when Kevin Love... Um, is gets the ball in a position where he can either pass or can assist out of it or whatever or score or whatever. That is those are the things that draw the most possession. Um, he was effective in those early tonight. Like he had this, he'd scored on Zion twice, um, was doing what he could do, etc. Colin pops more sometimes, and it might be because that's he's, part of it. Yeah, uh, Colin might be more active. Um, I think he certainly plays at a lot more higher pace, and he certainly has a ball in his hands. It just feels like a lot more, and there's a reason for that, obviously. But Colin's been really good the last couple weeks. Oh no, yeah, no, I'm not gonna um, be upset that he's playing well. And he, but I, I think he plays. I, he, I will say this: he plays harder than Kevin. Yeah. Colin is going for it all the time. You saw him bo- like boxing on Germany the other night. Blocking Zion the way he did was just like amazing. Yeah, that was a fun. That was the the arena didn't really know what to make of it. It yeah. felt like it was very kind of awkward because like I think they wanted him to dunk, but they also were like, "Holy shit, Colin Sexton just blocked Zion Williamson." Yeah, a guy who's six, six, barely six he's, foot. He's a long. unit. Like, he's, he's a just, unit. He's a unit. And then Zion's a. Shout out to my boy Spencer Davies. We were standing outside um, the Pelicans locker room, and Zion came, comes lumbering out, quite literally lumbering. He looks like a bear walking on his hind legs. But um, I told Spencer, I'm like, he's Herculean. He's like, no, he's a Titan. And then just, no, Colin got up there and blocked. Well, so wait, that so the other question on Twitter is, it which team Titan is he? I think he's got to be Cyborg. I'd say Cyborg. If he started yelling boop, booyah when he dunks, like, 
Yeah, you know the, the marketing like writes itself. There. Yeah, you know if they I, do that, another Justice League movie, it's gonna be terrible. But <laughs> Zion can cash them checks off that. Yeah, he can just do it. Um, and I don't think Beast Boy's like he doesn't seem like quite as like goofy and like vlogging. Like Beast Boy now is like a vlog. Whatever. I don't want to. I don't it. know. I love comic books. <laughs> um, comic books are silly. Zion is silly. It's not, Zion, yeah, but like he's built like a he's built like a fucking like. He's not human. No, it's unreal. It's absolutely unreal. Um, but getting back on track to this topic. Yeah. So, again. but Colin, like I. I think like one of the things that makes him pop and one of the things that makes him potentially in certain instances more valuable than Kevin is that he just is going he's going for it all the time like there Kevin sometimes you can see he's like the defensive stuff is a little shaky and uh, I get it and whatever Kevin's also aware of the situation as well like he said he may not be here much longer we could see what happens the deadline is we're about a week away. So about nine days away. Um, and so he could kind of protect yourself too it's, here. It's one of the big unanswerable questions is that, like, if Kevin is still on the roster after the deadline, like, how does that change? Does his effort level change in certain ways? Does he? Do we see him kind of go more out all the time? Um, I think so because I have heard small things from people that it might be a little bit more plugged into the situation that this whole situation with Kobe and the whole blow and everything kind of like has soured the market quite a bit and like the negative body language well, and all that well, stuff. said on Spanish or that the team stopped doing stuff for a full day. Yeah. Which is, that that's that's not that's a good great. thing. No. That, if you're talking about the trademark, that's either going to result in like past hasty deals and Kevin Love doesn't seem like a guy that's going to, or no deals or hasty deals. Yeah. And trading for Kevin Love is not like a, ever going to be like you a hasty You have to really deal. plan this out because you're committing a lot to him financially everything mm-hmm. and you're trying to either view him as a complimentary piece or something you can build and add to your championship core, but, yeah, maybe I could see it if, like, they say, like, his agent comes back to him and says, like, all right, Kevin, part of the reason why the Cleveland wasn't able to move you is, like, you kind of seem to get checked out a lot out there. I could see him coming locked in and engaged just so, like, this summer he can go to the Cavs and say, all right, I had a good second half of the year. Get me the hell out of here. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, but to answer the question... Is it sex I, and or love? I would say... I would agree. I think Love overall is the better player. I think he's consistently been good. Like, there was that rough patch he had where we were all playing body language police with him. But um, he's just been consistently solid for the Cavs. Like, it was really great in Detroit last night. And he got a lot of time to rest, which I think Bayline mentioned pregame. That that's part of the reason why he played in a back-to-back against New Orleans tonight. Especially, you know, we thought Zion was going to wreak havoc on him and everything. But... Um, no, like you said, I agree. Uh, Collins, the flashier player, and I think since he plays at such a frenetic pace and kind of just plays balls to the wall in every single possession, like he's going to die if he doesn't. Um, I think it just makes him more engaging and more endearing. And maybe part of it is too with Cavs fans, at least, like they're a little fed up with how the whole Kevin Love saga is coming to an end, and maybe they're just ready to, you know, cut the cord at this point, and they know Colin will potentially be here long-term, and they're just trying to come around to him, and I think that's maybe what field part of him yeah. winning the poll. I think that's right. Um, a couple other, just last couple things here. I would say Brennan Ingram, very good. Oh, yeah. If the Cavs could, he's, he's not going to be a Cavs No, there. he's not going to be a Cavs. He's too good to be uh, kept out of there. Um, I think we both said the moment free agency starts, New Orleans is going to offer him the max. Absolutely and, should. Um, I think they kind of have to. I will say the most imp- I will say the, the for Zion, um, the most impressive play to me of the night of his was when he got switched on a Sexton and just ate him up. Yeah. Uh, Colin, you, you had a good yeah. tweet about this. Um, Colin Sexton did everything on that play but score. Yeah. And I mean, Zion just wrecked him. Awesome dribble moves, and, you know, Zion just 
he has a lot of things to grow upon. Uh, Alvin Gentry actually noted that he's no longer going to be on a minutes restriction going forward. He said tonight he played 30 minutes, and just to call him out on that, because he also said Zion's only played um, three games this year, so maybe his numbers are off, but he played about 30 minutes tonight. I think Zion's just going to kind of have to establish a comfort level, but he's the real deal. And I think he's going to be a very special player. Yeah, he's he's. It's very fun to see him live. I will say, if you yeah. if you get a chance to see him next season or in whatever city you're listening to this in, um, please go. But that's going to be it for this episode of Lockdown Caps. Um, Evan, it was good to do this. Yeah, it's good to see person. each other in person. Yeah, it's good again. to do this in person for us to get to do this again. Um, bear with us. We're figuring out how to do these in the arena and figure some stuff out and, and get the audio quality right. Um, it doesn't sound like we're calling in from the 1960s before yeah. everybody else starts saying that again. Well, we, we are gonna. We're, we do have something cooking up with our frenemies over there, which I'm very excited about. We'll yeah. get to that in the coming weeks. Uh, but, again, we're figuring this out. We're going to, hope yeah. when we see each other, we're going to record these here. And it's just, we're trying, I'm trying something that um, basically just makes my life easier because I have first world podcaster problems. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, but, again, find us on Twitter, at Lockdown Cavs. Uh, Evan's on Twitter, and not Evan. I'm on Twitter, at Zedem Ritz. Uh, hope you guys like also like the new intro that we yeah. have on the show, which is, which is very cool. Um, I tweeted a picture of Chris making it live on air <laughs> while the game was starting. Because yeah. he's that dedicated in this podcast. Yeah, here for and the... I was just looking at memes and having a good chuckle. Hey, memes are good. <laughs> memes are memes are good for the brain. Um, but Evan, it was good to do this. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, and as we get out of here, we're gonna hear some people we interviewed at the game talking about Kobe. Um, some of the audio is gonna sound a little bit like loud, basically because we recorded uh, it inside the actual arena. And NBA arenas, shouts to David DeFore, are too fucking loud. They're too loud. Turn it down. Listen, we don't need blaring music all the time. No. Um, so there, if you if you skip them, I I, I understand it because I don't want to kill anyone's ears. But I think I think you will get a lot of good stuff There's from the people. We, we heard to. a lot of good stories. Yeah. Like, some of them are actually pretty touching. So yeah. yeah no, please give them a listen. Yeah. Please give them a listen if you can. Um, but we're gonna be back tomorrow. Sean will be from Locked Raptors. We'll be on to help us preview that Thursday game, and uh, we'll talk to you then. All right, I'm James Lockery, and what Kobe means to me, um, my appreciation for Kobe kind of grew more so after he retired, because growing up a LeBron fan and a Cavs fan, Kobe was kind of the rival, and I kind of prefer the LeBron playstyle, anyways. But being able to appreciate him after he retired and seeing his craft and how much he actually put in work-wise to just be great, and then tearing that afterwards into his film career and his daughter's basketball and stuff like that, he's just an icon, man. He's a legend, and it's such a shame. Yeah, my name's Logan. Uh, Kobe was my player that I first started liking when I first started getting into the NBA. Um, he was our Jordan growing up, and I don't know if there's ever going to be another player like him. Meant a lot to me. Uh, seeing him score 81, and seeing him with that behind-the-back reverse dunk on, I can't even remember what his team was. There's so many highlights I can think of right now, and he's just an incredible player. What did you think of the tribute? Uh, the tribute was amazing. Um, I know there were a couple people around us yelling Kobe and stuff. It could have moved you to tears. Um, I was right on the edge of it. I held him back a little bit, but I've been reading so much stuff about him, and that tribute just kind of pushed me over. My name's Shane Hipley. Uh, Kobe, to me, was kind of the first player I fell in love with. I grew up uh, saving up my money to buy his jersey. I remember seeing it in the finish line store and really just wanting to have that jersey of one of my favorite guys. And he kind of got me interested in basketball. Him and LeBron. It's just, I can't believe that he's gone. Uh, It's weird to grow up idolizing somebody and watching him play and just not there anymore. So, as Jeff Nominus, what's not much better? I think what I loved about Kobe was just how big of a competitor he was. Uh, 
So you hear stories about him at the Olympics, him at WNBA games, him at youth games, and he's just you know, in the zone and cheering on other athletes. He just loves to see the competition. And uh, I think that's one of the best things about that era with him and Iverson, those guys. Just how much of characters they were, how much competitors they were, and how much they made the, fight, the game fun. Almost being villains sometimes. They just gave it exciting.